0: Lord, I pray that tonight you would uh, help us to uh, set aside distractions. Help us to set aside things that are uh, are uh, trying to uh, disengage our minds in this way or that. Help us to not look, um, and uh, as we hear your word, look at others around us and think, "Well, yeah, that person needs that." Uh, but Father, help us to very personally hear what you have to say and the impact of our words and we pray that father in jesus name amen you may have heard the uh saying sticks and stones may break my bones but words will never hurt me usually that's something you say to someone right after they've just ripped your heart out and uh you know and because you know as well as i do that that's not true I mean, I've been hit with sticks, I've been hit with stones, and I'll tell you what, I rarely remember any of those things. I can remember words that people spoke very clearly, though, very clear. I mean, years, years later, I can remember those things. And it's very important that we understand that, you know, most of us are unaware of the weight of our words on other people. Uh, I was looking uh, recently, there was an uh, uh, article that was online about um, some different things that people have said over the years that they regret and I thought boy, that's really true and this one talked about this brother that was with his sister and her boyfriend had recently broken up with her and the two of them were out at a restaurant that she and her boyfriend ate at quite often and she looks at the menu and she looks over to her brother and she says you know what Jim used to love and her brother looks over at her and goes you yeah you see uh We look at that and we think, oh, how humorous. Um, I'm betting she didn't find that to be too humorous right then, you know, totally unaware of the weight of his words. Oftentimes what you'll find is this, the way you view yourself and the way that you have relationships with other people in large part is often shaped by words that were spoken to you. Your words have great impact, great impact. And so in Proverbs eighteen twenty-one, the wisest man who ever lived, a guy named Solomon, tells us this. He says, death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Your words, what he's saying is your words will help direct the course of people's lives. Now, often we don't understand that. We don't understand the power of our words to injure people. Most of the time, we recognize the power of other people's words to injure us. We just don't recognize the power of our own words. We don't look at it like that. We don't recognize the weight of our words upon other people. In fact, let me ask you a couple of questions. Where do you think that you worry the least about how you use your words? Home, yeah, home, around family. And yet, how many of you remember well, for good or for bad, words that may have been spoken to you by a family member? Remember those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, a lot of times we, we look at that and we think, wow, the tremendous, sometimes tremendous encouragement, other times tremendous harm. But we tend to not understand the power of our words. Now, that's not just true with family members towards you or you towards family members. That's also true with classmates. That's true with coworkers. That's true with friends. It's true with a lot of different people that we need to begin to understand your words have great impact. Your words have great impact. Solomon realized that. In fact, in Proverbs, over 150 times, he talks about, the power of your words on other people or the power of your words to, to direct your future or to direct the future of someone else or to really uh, cause you uh, very much good or to cause you very much problems, you know. And he says something like this in Proverbs eighteen twelve. He says, there is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. There's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. You know, like somebody stands there and go, <clears throat> And their words just kind of pierce you. Now, you've had the opportunity to say something and look across the way and realize that when you said something, you just hurt somebody. You realize usually by, like, now if they break down crying right there, that's a dead giveaway. Uh, But if they don't do something like that, if maybe they're just kind of have this like, ugh look on their face, or maybe they have this anger look on their face. But either way, you realize you've either upset them, or you realize you've hurt them. Now, what do we tend to do whenever we've done something like that? What's the first thing we do? Hmm? Yeah, sometimes we apologize, and that's a good thing. Other times, you know, we we start trying to explain ourselves, don't we? Now, see, what I meant by that was, you know, and what do we do? We just use more words. More words. You know, hey, if this was bad enough, let me go ahead and throw some more fuel on the flyer here. You know, just see what happens here. Would you know, blah, 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 and we just keep throwing all these words out and stuff like that? Sometimes we apologize. Apologizing is good. But have you ever noticed how surprised we are that apologies don't make everything right? Like, we'll, you know, we'll, we'll just sit there and just rip somebody shreds or something and, with our words. And then we go, oh, sorry. Like, that's supposed to clear everything up, Right. I mean, it's kind of like, you see what he says here? There is one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. What we need to understand is you can't unwound those that are wounded. You know, you don't just walk there and run a sword through somebody and then go, hey, sorry, and they stop bleeding. I mean, if they did that, they would hire you in hospitals. You know, it doesn't work that way. You know, it doesn't work at all. I mean, you say something to somebody, you need to see the power of your words. Your words have great impact. You need to understand the power of your words. The passage we're going to look at tonight is a passage found in James. James was a brother of Jesus. Now, do you ever think he wished he could take some of his words back? I mean, can you imagine growing up with Jesus? You know, And things that you must think, things you must say. In fact, if you read over in Mark, uh, this isn't a verse that we're looking at, but you read over in Mark, like uh, Mark 3, and there's a point at which it says, Jesus... And, I mean, James and his brothers and his mother came to see Jesus one day. And you think, well, that sounds, that sounds uh, harmless enough. But if you look about ten verses back, you find the reason they came to see him. Because they were saying to themselves and to one another, he's losing it. You think he wished he had that comment back? Probably so. You know, I mean, right when your brother rises from the dead, you go, hmm, maybe he wasn't. Uh, you know. Things you wished you hadn't said. You know, things like that. Well, James helps us to see the power of our words. And he starts in James 3, 2. He says this. We all struggle in many ways. True. We all struggle in many ways. Anyone who never is at fault in what they say is perfect. Able to keep their whole body in check. In other words, he says, you know, if you can pull this off, you are golden. If you can control your mouth, you can control anything about you. Trying to control your mouth, you know, that's great. And then he gives us a couple of examples. In verse three, he says this, when we put bits in the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Now we were down at Knott's Berry Farm here just a few weeks ago with our, a uh, couple of our grandkids. And we're down there and we're, we're going around, we go to ride this, um, we go to ride this uh, stagecoach because they want to ride the stagecoach because it's going around in downtown Snoopy or whatever it is. And so we're over there and uh, we're, we're there and they have the stagecoach. And the stagecoach pulls up and has these four big horses out front and they're all, you know, and they're sweating all over the place and tossing everything. And they're, they're there and you look at these four big horses and then you look up at the reins and you're thinking, oh my gosh, who is, this who is this that's guiding these animals all the way? And there's this little bitty guy up there with a hat on, and you think, big horses, little bitty guy. You know, get back on the wedding cake. Uh, you think, well, what are do you doing do there? I mean, little bitty guy there, you know, and you just wonder, kind of, what, what is up with this? How is he able to just direct them everywhere he wants? But then when you start looking, what you see is these horses, as they're there, they're constantly, and they're chomping. Why? They've got this thing in their mouth called a bit. And it's this little thing, and they're just constantly just biting, biting, biting. But you know what? Every time he pulls the reins this way, horses go this way. He goes this way, they go that way. He pulls them both, they stop. He is able to guide those things that are far bigger than him, just with that one little bit. James goes on, he says, or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot wants to go. Big ship, big winds, small rudder, and yet it sets the direction for anywhere that that ship wants to go. Then he picks up in verse 5, he says, Likewise, in other words, in the same way, likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boast. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. Your mouth controls the direction of your life. And oftentimes, your mouth will control the direction of other people's lives as well by the things you say. Now, that's really hard for us to get our heads kind of wrapped around sometimes. And that's why we keep getting surprised when we thoughtlessly say things to people and then, you know, they blow up. We're really, we we stand amazed. We're like, what in the world? In fact, often, we don't see the damage of a few words. Especially when they're our own. You know, We and that's why we say things like this. All I said was. You ever said that? You ever sitting there, you know, and your mom comes in and goes, why is your sister crying? You go, I don't know. All I said was. You know, and you're like, uh-huh. Or you're sitting there and you're talking to, you know, one of your uh, one of your roommates and they're all, <laughs> you know, over here crying. And you're like, all I said was. <laughs> you know. See, we don't even understand the power of our words. What he's saying is this. James says, like a spark that sets a whole forest on fire. That's what your mouth can be like. You need to be aware of that. In fact, he says, once it's going, now you can't do anything about it. You had the ability to do something about it before you opened your mouth. But once you've opened it, eh, now not so much. How many of you have heard of the Cedar Fire? Anybody heard of the Cedar Fire? All right, now, you need to know this. Largest fire to ever be in California. Largest fire. Occurred about 15 years ago down in San Diego. Over a quarter of a million acres burned up. Over 2,500 structures burned up. Over 15 people Now, you look at that, you think, wow, that is a ton. Yeah. I mean, my gosh, it was devastating. I mean, it took them days. In fact, it took them weeks to get the entire thing put out. Do you know how it got started? There was a guy out hunting, and he thought, I'm lost. I don't know where I am. Maybe I'll just start a little fire. So people will see it and know where I am. So he started a little fire. And 273,000 acres later and 15 lives later, they got it put out. See, he was able to start it, just a small thing, took one spark. But once he got it started, incredibly hard to put out. James goes on in verse 6, he says this. Well, this is a picture. I want you to see this picture of this right here. This is the fire. You can, I mean, you can't fully appreciate that. But I mean, honestly, it went on like that for days and days and weeks. I mean, it was, yeah, it was bad. In verse 6, James says this. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body. It sets the whole course of your life on fire and is set on fire by hell itself. In other words, what he says, your tongue is capable of all kinds of evil. Your tongue is capable of doing all kinds of damage that you haven't even thought of. I mean, can you think of how many times people's reputations have just been ruined by people's words? Or how many relationships have been destroyed or really messed up by people's words? Or how many times have people ruined their future just by their words? By their words. Now, all of you have said things to other people. And what you found is this. When you said it, it didn't just impact their ears. Or it didn't just, you know, kind of impact, you know, their minds a little bit. No, it impacted all of them. And they were impacted by all of that. Have you ever noticed this? If you go over, if you're working right now for somebody, and you go lip off to them, they don't just fire your mouth. They fire all of you. If you go to your professor tomorrow and he says, you know, hey, I want you to do this. And you go, hang it. He doesn't say, I'm going to flunk your mouth. No, no. He flunks all of you. See, all of you are affected. Your words have great impact. Your mouth can start a fire that you can't put out. And you need to be aware of that. In verse 7, James goes on. He says this, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, sea, creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. Well, that ought to be enough to encourage you for the night right there, shouldn't I? <laughs> All right, well, let's go home. Uh, yeah, there we go. Your mouth can never be tamed. Amen. Let's go. Uh, you, you begin to look at that. You think, what? You, you can't tame it? I mean, you can't do it? No. You can learn to manage your tongue. But you'll never be able to tame it. What he's trying to get across to us is this. You will always have the potential to do great damage with your mouth. Always. As long as you have a mouth. As long as you live. You will always have the potential to do great damage. So you kind of look at that, and you think, okay, James. So what should we do? And I'm glad you asked. Well, this is how James. If you read the rest of... The chapter right there like uh, verses 9 through 12 this is how James kind of winds it up he says hey with your mouth you are capable of praising God and doing great good and with your mouth you're capable of doing great harm and then he makes this statement he goes, that, that he goes it doesn't even make sense it's baffling and incomprehensible okay point two and he just kind of moved and that's all he says and you kind of think what what? I mean, aren't you going to tell us something to do with this? I mean, I mean that's all, what, what, what's the deal with that? Well, I think part of it, you know, James may be thinking, once you know this, once you know the great impact that your words can have on others, surely you'll be smart enough to never use it in a bad way again. I don't tend to agree with James quite as much at that point. So I'm going to go ahead and give you some things about what can you do to learn to manage your mouth? Because, you know, I'm kind of thinking a little bit of help along the way would probably be good. Because James just kind of leaves it up in the air. So how do you begin to take responsibility for the words you use? Or how do you begin to kind of manage your tongue? One of the very first things I tell you is this. Watch what you let grow in your heart. Watch what you let grow in your heart. Now some of you are thinking, my heart, what does my heart have to do with, with my mouth? Well, I'm glad you ask. In uh, Luke 6.45, uh, Jesus speaking says, Out of the good that he has, uh, a good man brings good things um, stored up in his heart, and the evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart. For the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. You ever said something and then you—you're you, all of a sudden you're going, no, 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 that's not me, that's not me. I, I mean, I, I'm not like that. that. That wasn't me. Yes, it is. No, it's really, yes, it is. But I don't like it, I know, but it's you. Why? It's what's going on in your heart. And so one of the very first things you want to do is if you want to learn to manage your mouth, watch what you let grow in your heart. When we've done this series on like behind enemy lies or the ones we talked about last week about gratitude versus an attitude of kind of, you know, I deserve. What we're trying to do is to help you learn what are the kind of things you should let grow in your heart and what are the kind of things you need to get out of your heart immediately. Because if you let the wrong things grow, guess what? That's what begins to come out again and again and again. So one of the things our mouths do in fact, all you have to do is live with your mouth for about one day. I know for me it's about 30 seconds. Um, but if I live with my mouth for more than you know, two or three minutes, what I remind myself of is this. I have a lot to do in my heart still because my mouth is speaking out of what's in my heart. So watch what you let grow in your heart. The second thing I do tell you to do is this. Learn to think before you speak. Yeah, I don't know about you. I mean, for me, you know, uh, my model has often been through life. When there is silence, fill it. And so, you know, I mean, I've just blah, 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 and just talk on sometimes. And what you need to realize, Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of fools spouts folly. The heart of the righteous ponders how, to, in other words, he thinks before he speaks. If you were to begin to think before you spoke, I think one of the things you'd find is you would probably do some things a whole lot less. Like one of them, gossip. Gossip. In, in Proverbs uh, 16, 28, right, he says, A perverse person stirs up conflict, and a gossip separates close friends. Now, I've heard people, have you ever heard this? Maybe you've heard this uh, by yourself when you've been talking, but you ever heard someone uh, say something that was just gossip, and then they would say something like this, well, it's, it was true. Well, you ought to always speak truth, but that doesn't mean you need to speak all of it, okay? You don't need to tell everything in the world that you know or hear or anything else. I mean, you know, there's, there's a lot of times that you just don't need to be saying something. And so some some of the things you could ask yourself there is, you know, ask yourself, one, is it true? Ask yourself, is it kind? Ask yourself, is it necessary? You know, sometimes maybe it's true, but it's not really going to be kind to say it. And it's not really going to be necessary. So just don't say it. Just choose to think before you speak. Choose to not say it. Another thing you might do if you're choosing to think before you speak is uh, you might really work on the grumbling and complaining. Now, these verses right here in 1 Corinthians, Paul is talking about a situation that happened in the Old Testament. And he says, boy, there was a time when God really showed exactly what he thought about people grumbling. In fact, there's one point. These people all are grumbling against Moses. And God says, Moses, could you step over there just for a second? And he just kind of opens up the earth. (laughs) And all these people kind of drop in. He says, okay, questions for anybody else? And everybody kind of goes, nope, don't believe I want to grumble. He says, good. And Paul picks up on that a little bit later in Philippians 2.14. He says, do all things without grumbling or complaining. All things. Just don't grumble. Have you ever known how much you wear on other people when you grumble? Now, see, you haven't thought about that. But you've definitely thought about it when they've done it to you, haven't you? You know, when you start walking in and you see somebody and they're walking towards you and they're going, oh, let me tell you. And you're going, oh, this is the 95th time today you've told me. But you go, mm-hmm, what? And they go, oh, and they just grumble. What, what does it do to you? Do you think, Whew, well, I'm motivated now. You know, no motivated to shoot them, maybe. I mean, but you're not motivated. I mean, why? They just, it just wears on you. You know what? Do all things without grumbling or complaining. Or a third one, you know, uh, if we thought before we spoke. We would probably be much less sarcastic and cutting. Much less sarcastic and cutting. Proverbs 12, 18. There again. There is one who speaks rashly, like the thrust of a sword. You know, have you ever said something to somebody? Now, I mean, I don't know about you, but like when I, when I came to faith, um, I was, um, I was growing up and, um, was about, uh, 17 years old. And, um, the thing was, I, um, uh, I, I came to faith and I automatically had lost a large portion of my vocabulary. I, I couldn't speak anymore so I had pr- trouble expressing myself. So I would notice like, you know, I would say, well, that's just good. And uh, now I'd say, what? in the world is going on. And people would think, what, what, what happened to you? I don't know. I can't talk anymore. And because uh, I found there were all sorts of words I shouldn't say. And then though, you know, I just had this thing of, you know, you know, my mind has, if there's anything that's come close to working as fast as my mouth, it would be my mind. And, and I would sit there and I would think, somebody would say something, I would think of something that was hilarious to say. Now, usually it was at that other person's expense. But it would be hilarious. Everyone would be falling over laughing except the other person. And um, have you ever done that? You ever said something? Now, what do we usually say something like that? Something really rich. Something like, hey, just kidding. Proverbs 26, 18 and 19 is a really good verse. It's like a madman who casts firebrands, arrows, and death. Firebrands. Those are those things, that remember, start something that you can't put out. Like a madman who casts firebrands, arrows, and death, so is he who deceives his neighbor and says, was I not joking? I mean, what's your problem? I was just saying something. Just saying. See, if we began to think before we spoke, I think we would do those things much less. So begin to think before you speak. A third thing you can do, learn to watch your tone. Learn to watch your tone. Proverbs 15:1 says, "A gentle answer turns away wrath, But a harsh word stirs up quarrel." Now, I don't know about you. this is one of the hardest for me. And the reason is, I think partly because I'm about half tone deaf. That's why I don't learn Chinese. That and the fact, I don't want to offend about four billion people. But I mean, you know, uh, you know it's, it's one of those things. I can't hear tones sometimes. Like, I mean, some of my friends, you know, if you're Chinese here and you know that, I mean, you've heard me, you'll say something like, they'll say, say, Wa, and I'll say Wa, and they'll go, No, not Wa, Wa. And i go, I said Wa. No, you said Wa. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I mean, I have this pro- but I have this problem at home. I mean, I'll say something, and my wife will go, What is that tone? What tone? that tone, that tone, I had a tone, I didn't know I had a tone, you had a tone, I didn't know I had a tone, you had a tone, okay, and I'm sitting here thinking, you know, what you don't realize is, your tone kind of sets the tone for everything, have you ever noticed that, you have a certain tone that you use or something, and all of a sudden, oh, it's not going to go good, you know, I mean, you know, you're going to try to figure out if that couch is comfy, and it's just not going to go good, if, now, you'll have to take this by faith. But you need to learn this. Because one of these days, God willing, many of you are going to be married. In fact, most of you are probably going to be married. Oh. See, now, we have some married people here. We have, yes, yeah, so I, see, I see it now. Okay. See, now, Jeremy, if you're there at the house <laughs> and Katie says, we're having this for dinner. And you go, oh, great. How do things go? Pretty well. Pretty well. Yeah. Chris. If Sammy says, we're having this for dinner, and you go, oh, great. How do things go? Not so good. (laughs) Same words. Same exact words. What the heck? You see, tone makes all the difference in the world. And a lot of times what we do is we say things in a certain way, and then when we get called on it, we go, oh. All I said was, and we say it in some sweet way or something like that, you know. All I said was, oh, great. You know, and they're like, eh, yes. and so, you know, watch your tone, watch what you say. Fourth thing, learn to speak less. Learn to speak less. Now, I mean, for some of you, if you're like me, that's a hard one, okay? I mean, for some of you, you're talkers, and I'm not expecting you to become librarians or something. I'm not expecting that at all. You know, I'm not expecting you, if you're a person who talks, for you to suddenly go, I'm going to just be quiet. I I tried that once. I mean, I tried that, and several of my friends go, stop. (laughs) What are you doing? You're not a quiet person. I thought, thank you. Uh, (laughs) I need to talk. Uh, But, you know. What he's saying here is this. In Proverbs 10, 10, 19, he says, Where there are many words, transgression is unavoidable. But he who restrains his lips is wise. In other words, the more you talk, the more opportunity you have for offending someone. So learn to talk less. Learn to talk less. I mean, Proverbs 17, 28 says, Even a fool, when he keeps silent, is considered wise when he closes his lips. He's kind of prudent. Now, haven't you thought that? Haven't you sat around and you were in a group or something, and somebody was over here quiet, and you thought, "Whoa, they must be a deep thinker." They're probably an idiot. You mean, you don't even know, you know. But he says, "Even a fool, when he keeps silent, he's considered wise." Everybody's going to go. You, you ever want to be thought smart in your class? Sit around there, and just go, and everybody goes, "Whoa." They get it. Oh, I wished I got it like they get it. And you're going, what is going on? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> I have no idea. But you're thought of as smart, you know. So, I mean, learn to talk less. Learn, it'll, it'll just help you out. <laughs> Lastly, learn to speak words that encourage. Learn to speak words that encourage. The flip side of Proverbs 12, 18 The first part, he said, there's one who speaks rashly like the thrust of a sword. But the flip side of that, he says, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. The tongue of the wise brings healing. Have you ever been in a situation where you thought, you know, I just like to give up? Honestly? I mean, I'm just kind of done. Some of you may have thought that this week. You may have thought, man, I'm just kind of done. You know, many people feel that way. I mean, sometimes life is just hard. I had one friend that uh, used to work with me for a while, um, as long as that I could take. And he, uh, he used to think, I guess like he goes, life is hard, then you die. <laughs> Thank you. Um, but you know what? In a lot of ways, he's right. Life is hard. And we need people who will use their words to help and to encourage and to actually heal other people. In their choice of words and things. We need to be those kind of people. Now, I have, I have a question that I want you to think about for a minute. I'd like several of you to even uh, share with me. Um, can you think of something someone has said to you that has really impacted your life in a helpful way? Something that someone has said to you it may have been when you were younger, it may have been recently may have been today, you know. But something someone has said to you that has impacted your life in an encouraging way. Is there anybody that's had that happen? If not, we're probably uh, not going to have to worry. But we, we all all need some help right here, if not. But uh, anybody that can think of that? Yeah. Stephen, what happened? Can you think of what? Oh, <laughs> you meant like out loud. Yeah, he did. Yeah. Well, he may not have been ready for that one. I'll tell you what. Now the rest of you know. <laughs> what is one? What is something that you can remember from sometime? Yeah. See. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Share that one. That one would be better. <laughs> uh, this morning, I got like a really encouraging text from a guy. been giving me a bunch trouble for months. Hmm. Mm-hmm. All our communications have done mm-hmm. When I opened this one as tense opening, I said, This is actually nice, this is encouraging. This is the right <laughs> <laughs> that's great. That's great. Others? Others that you can think of? Words that gave life? Jonathan. Well, that's correct. Wow. I mean, that right there will make your semester much less, uh, you know, just your day. That's good. Any others? Others you can think of? Yeah. Uh, one of my teachers said that I was smart and everything was going on, and everyone was in the class I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> That's helpful for you for the others of the class not so much you know so so yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, you know, men and women, most people are aware of the things they're doing that are wrong. I mean, good night. They could probably recite them for you. What most people aren't aware of is, are they doing anything that's right? Are they doing anything that's helpful? Are they doing anything that matters? And you have the power to really help them with things like that. You have the power to use your words not to just set a fire that destroys. You have the power to use your words to speak to people in such a way that it actually brings healing and it actually brings health. Great power. Your words have great impact. They set the course of your life and often they set the course of other people's lives as well. So to that end, I would encourage you, watch what goes in to your heart. Learn to think before you speak. Watch your tone. Learn to speak less, and learn to use your words in such a way that they actually bring encouragement and help and not pain other people. Why don't we take a minute, let's pray, and we'll invite the worship team back. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you set the pace for us in speaking words of grace and truth. Father, you never shied away from uh, allowing us to see uh, reality as it really was, but you also Brought words that gave encouragement, gave hope, and gave a desire to really move forward because of the way you really loved. So help us, as your beloved children, to imitate you and live a life of love. And especially allow that to impact the way that we think of and the way that we speak to other people. Help us to use our words in a way that uh, really blesses others and honors you. And we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen.